No, no, it's just a, it's a chemical reaction. It's not, a, it's not an allergic reaction. Hello, welcome back. We are here in the bunker of Blockbuster Film School. It is election day where people make terrible choices. And just like terrible choices of the past, we are haunted to face them once again. And one of those is the overlooked classic, The Burbs. I'm here with Alex... Hello. Bonner. What's your name? Producer Brian Tepps. I am what's left of uh, (laughs) head scoundrel Nick Souter. Yeah, yeah. As Alex said off mic, the Burbs has 52% on Rotten Tomatoes. Bullshit. Middle of the road on the charts, number one in our hearts. So good. It is a classic amongst the 80s to 90s children. If you remember a world before the internet, you should have three copies of it in your house. One on VHS, <laughs> one on DVD, and another on DVD because you thought someone had the Blu-ray, but you bought the wrong one. <laughs> Tom Hanks, Carrie Fisher, Rick Ducommon, Bruce Dern, Corey. Corey Feldman, Dick Miller. Wendy Shaw. Wendy Shaw. Oh, yeah. Nikki Cat. This is Joe Dante's third masterpiece. Ooh, agreed. It is also Alex's pick. It is. It is my quick drop this evening. Um, Before Alex starts, I just want to bring up the fact that he and I were lucky enough to see this at the Music Box. It was a staff pick. We saw it at 1 o'clock on a Sunday afternoon. I bought the last two tickets. I think it was a birthday present. It was a birthday present. Yes. We got the last two tickets. We were literally in the front row. (laughs) We were like asses off the seat, neck up at the screen (laughs) on 35 millimeter. It looks so goddamn good. I will tell you this straight up. Watching the Burbs in the theater, the two times I watched it in the theater, both of them were amazing experiences for me. And I thank you so much as truly one of my best friends and Brian, one of my favorite enemies in the whole world. And that blew my mind seeing it on 35 millimeter because you see it in like, you know, I watched it a ton on VHS. Oh, yeah. I watched it even in like a Blu-ray and a streaming where it's in HD, but to see it. Really, as it was filmed. In the flesh. Oh, all the light popping. And also, as we'll talk about, there was stuff in the theatrical cut on 35 millimeter that isn't in any of the the home video versions. There's nothing crazy. Nothing crazy. But I think there's a a touch more sex and violence Mm -hmm. that they were cool with being in the theater. And then when it came into home video, maybe to get into like Blockbuster, they kind of cut out a couple of frames of Wendy Shaw. Bent over. No tan lines this morning. <laughs> Kids of Meatball. Just, yeah. There was an upskirt. There was an upskirt that's like a very funny, cool, hilarious upskirt that leads into one of the better jokes I remember <laughs> in the history of time. And then there's a couple of parts where, spoiler alert, when Tom Hanks accidentally blows himself up, when he comes out in the 35 millimeter, there's some more of him sort of looking terrible than yeah. <laughs> he looks fucked up. <laughs> but- the first time I went to see it, me and my dad, when it came out in 89, right? Something like that. Randomly, it was one of these times where it was me and my dad, and he was down in Charlotte, North Carolina, and I went with him. So it was just the two of us, and I'm like six, seven years old, and we always like to go to the movies, and we like Tom Hanks, and we like Joe Dante, and we were like, let's go see the new movie. And uh, I think it was close to the opening weekend, and there were not a lot of people in that movie theater. No. This was <laughs> this movie made like $40 million. It but- did. It is considered a bomb. Mm. It is truly an absolute cult classic. It's why we have it on Quick Drop, because 
I could watch the burbs over and over again. I really we have. Could. We have. We've ne- Brian watched it last week when he had COVID for the fourth time. I think he was just really bored. No, that's when he had mono. <laughs> also, Tom Hanks, in my mind, really coming into his comedic powers, like at that moment. I think the problem was the writing was a little futuristic in its comedy. It was a little postmodern. It would work well in like popular TV shows in like the 2000s, like yeah. the league and stuff like that. It would, it has this kind of magical realism and nonsense. And to me, like I laugh my balls off even as a kid and there were tons of jokes I didn't get. And then as I get older, the jokes get funnier and weirder and it's sort of a horror movie. It's sort of a Hitchcock thriller, but it's also a hilarious comedy because it's Joe Dante. The scary stuff is his great talent of it. When you, he looks out that window in the rain and there are three people oh, man. in black cloaks digging graves. Boy, fishermen looking for <laughs> nightcrawlers. Also, I remember as a kid, I love that movie, but that dream sequence he has. There's oh, a, that's, that's scarier than most horror movies made the day. <laughs> it really is. Carol. <laughs> hey, can Ray come out? Ray can't come out until he resembles the man I married. Carol, we don't have that kind of time. Like, just so many bizarre jokes the fact that it in a way they become like children if you've never seen the burbs it's just a tiny synopsis it's truly about a cul-de-sac that's very clearly shot on a hollywood backlot but some people live in the neighborhood who have the spooky house and in the spooky house they start to have weird noises and weird smells and weird sounds and the nosy weird gang of neighbor children who are all adults decide to figure out what is going on. They are just a bunch <laughs> of bored white people <laughs> with no way out of their, where they're living. <laughs> and they had nothing else to do. No. So they just start stalking the weirdos. <laughs> and we have to mention this. This wouldn't be made today because this no. is xenophobic. But it like, is. Luckily in the 80s, because it was those fucking weirdos. It's all right. Yeah, it's fine. It's fun. I agree with you entirely. It's like the Joe Dante magic of, you're right. If this was actors who are not good with this yeah. script, it would be a disaster. It would not be fun at all. But because Tom Hanks is amazing, because Princess Leia is Everybody's amazing. Everybody's amazing in this movie. Everybody is amazing. This is the best Corey Feldman's ever been. By leaps and bounds. Yeah. And you know I like the Goonies, but he truly is amazing. <laughs> I want to I want to send a special shout out to late actor brother Theodore. Oh, yeah. Who literally got this gig because he used to be off Broadway, sea level theaters in New York (laughs) where he would do one man shows and they were always sold out. And then he was on Letterman and Joe Dante saw him on there. Yes. It was so weird. He had to cast him. Oh, yes. If you go on YouTube, (laughs) Letterman has been putting up all his old episodes Brother Theodore was on there eight times when he was in, like, the old Late Show. Go look those up. They're so bizarre and just naturally creepy. Yes. But the man is amazing. Agreed. Also, I got to toss out, there are several RIPs in it, but Henry Gibson as well. Yeah. Who plays Dr. Klopek and was also a Joe Dante guy, was in Inner Space and just one of the great sort of weird character actors who plays like a always an interesting intellectual bad guy like is this your car dr Kloppik? <laughs> Doc, yeah <laughs> and that's howard too right no uh, that was the uh oh. only black guy in the movie who says that line <laughs> that's the, the police chief Rand is the guy's kidnapped his dog <laughs> hey pinocchio yeah where are you going also that um uh-oh dana geez 
No, Dana no, no. Olson. Dana Olson, who wrote a whole bunch of Hollywood movies, wrote this movie. His first movie. Yeah, totally. He plays the first cop that shows up where Corfilm winds up. They're in their house and they're they're eating all their food. The scene where Rick Ducommon, also the character, Art, your idiot neighbor who you sort of love, but you also despise because he thinks he knows what he's doing all the time. He is fun and makes your life more exciting because he's always up to some shit, but he is literally a moron who is dangerous. And when he tries to cut the power to their house and electrically ah, blasts himself ah, out of my, fi- my, fi- my, fi- my feelings are hot. His, ah. his credit cards and his wallet have been Fried. fused together in the house. <laughs> his introduction as a character is amazing. Yes. Because it starts off with him just trying to shoot a crow. Almost shoots Tom Hanks in the face. <laughs> then he eats all his food. He tries to scare Tom Hanks' son. And then he eats dog food and cleans off the plate of Tom Hanks when he goes to get dressed. And then they go outside and they call each other a couple of pussies. They go ring a doorbell <laughs> and they attack by bees and he spits a bee out of his mouth. That is the first 15 minutes That's, he's on screen. That is the first act. That is the beginning of the movie. Yeah. Is what we're talking. If you have never seen the burbs, come on, what are you doing? Like Tom Hanks, full suburbia depression. Oh, yeah. Taking a vacation. He's so depressed. He doesn't <laughs> want to leave the house. He doesn't want to get dressed. It's like COVID before there was COVID. It was just a cul-de-sac. There's an element that still haunts me of just my personality, too, of like, I'm going to watch the ball game. I'm going to drink 100 beers. Yeah. I'm going to be fine. Like, <laughs> Also, just, I didn't even know what I was saying when I, this movie, I was like, saw this when I was like eight. But when Dick Miller and the other guy play the garbage men. Yes. And fucking Rick Commons in there and Bruce Stern's in the garbage thing going through the trash. He's just like, listen, pal, my taxes pay your salary. <laughs> I've been saying this as a kid, mostly to people whose jobs aren't being paid for by taxes. It is solid. If they are, I think te- I said it to a pizza guy once. He brought us the wrong pizza. My taxes pay your salary. It's like, kid, your mom gave you this money. Go back inside. I wish there was socialized pizza. You give me that goddamn pizza. It would taste like garbage, though. Oh, wait, I had some of that. It was called scrunch, which is what we call elementary school pizza, which is shit lunch scrunch. It's in a square. Still ate it, though. No, I mean, it's pizza. I mean, yeah, it tastes like Connie's. Eat that Connie's pizza. Also, that there's a weird redheaded fuck who's the nephew of the, the kid clo- from fucking um, Children of the Corn. Yes. Courtney yes. Gaines. Yes. Courtney. Why do I know his fucking name? I don't know. But yeah, he drives the quote unquote <laughs> trash to the end of the driveway and then beats the shit out of it with a, with mean, a hoe while they watch him with a fucking they night vision. <laughs> night vision behind all their garbage cans they have lined up to be picked up the next morning. It is such an amazing movie. And honestly, like, I'm so glad that it cult classic out and is still around and people still appreciate it. And it almost makes sense that it's like 50 percent on Rotten Tomatoes because it. Like a true cult classic, you either love that movie or you're like, I don't care. Like there is an allegiant fan base, myself included. I believe Nick. My parents, your parents. Yes. yes. Ryan's parents. This movie's it's not perfect, but there's nothing wrong with it. I would make the argument of in that way, getting close to perfect in terms of just if you want to write a screenplay like figure out the burbs and how it works as first act, second act, second act twist, third, you know what I'm saying? And then has a great twist at the end, a twist. Maybe you see coming. I won't spoil it, but there were twists within that. Turns out that the (laughs) whole time, Carrie Fisher was Tom Hanks's brother. 
Also, Carrie Fisher in her second hottest role. And also, I love Carrie Fisher. She's hilarious in it. But her as the suburban mom who has to put up with Tom Hanks's nonsense and their relationship kind of works. You change your hair. <laughs> you change your hair. <laughs> We're up at the crack at dawn to watch a dog poop. The two of them are sitting there watching Jeopardy and they actually write down the answers to see who wins. Oh, yeah. Like <laughs> just, just such a little petty, stupid <laughs> shit. Like no one's going to remember who won in an hour. But like in that moment. Their lives are just not suburbanite lives. Exactly. They were Jeopardy winners. I would make the argument. I know we kind of have to wrap it up, like just in terms of time, probably. But the, I think Joe Dante does better of messing with suburban concepts better than any director. Oh yeah, like he actually understands America. Like he kind of gets. He knows there's such thing as the American dream. You can go and hide from the rest of civilization all you want, but it's going to come up. One way or another, and it's going to get you. And, uh, you know, sometimes you have to blow up a house. Sometimes you have to blow up a bunch of gremlins. Yeah. And sometimes you have to shrink real small and uh, fly a plane into uh That's true. Quaid. Fight off a bunch of toys who've gone crazy. Yeah. Um, you know, just different things. You <laughs> you can't escape your problems. <laughs> Joe Dante, he said that. That is true. And I genuinely love that it has a kind of Twilight Zone thing where – just people get pulled into a situation and then before they know it, they're in it now. It's yeah. their life. It's more important than their own life. They're, it's a mystery that I could solve. I could have something important in my life. <laughs> they didn't realize they were looking for meaning. And uh, then they found a meaning to their life. And then it almost fucking kills them. Yeah. And find, uh, you find know. something you love until it kills you. Yeah. Man. I don't know. Are there any final takes on the verbs or anything that you'd like to toss? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm the one this time. So I'm oh, that's ter- terribly sorry. So don't cut that up. But just is there <laughs> any final takes? Ah, I mean, Tom Hanks' shorts are amazing in it. Yes. Um, I just like the genuinely the costumes. I think everyone looks very fun and hilarious in it. Everyone is like pristine, you know, in that Joe Dante way where they even if the good guys, bad guy, everyone looks hilarious and interesting. I adore that movie. I really do. Satan is good. Satan is our pal. Satan is good. Satan is I want to kill everyone. everyone. You're chanting. <laughs> yeah. It's a weird thing to say, but that movie about a bunch of people who are potentially Satanists living next door is a family <laughs> classic for me, and I wouldn't have you out of the way. And I don't want to spoil the ending, but I just genuinely love the ending of that movie. Yeah. It's so... And the music in it is really the solid. Music's great. Cinematography's great. Oh, yeah. It's a... Very well constructed film. Yes. And uh, I'm glad it's a cult classic because it deserves to be something. It went looking for meaning and uh, it gave meaning to a bunch of people who enjoy the film immensely. And it's nice that it's there and I'll always be around. And then eventually everyone who's seen it and will die and no one will remember the movie or any of us. And with that in mind, thank you for listening. I'm talking for <laughs> Alex Bonner, <laughs> Brian Tapps. And everyone else on midterm election day. I'm Nick. Thanks for listening. Hell yeah.